0: Hey, folks, I'm Jason.
1: And I'm Eric.
0: I teach people how to raise livestock on the land.
1: And I teach people the Bible.
0: I play a little banjo.
1: And I play bass.
0: I'm a passionate bow hunter.
1: And I'm a diehard Badgers fan.
0: Together, we're just two common folk trying to pursue Jesus.
1: And live out our faith beyond Sunday's sermon. You
0: know what's really nice about doing this podcast? What's that? it's like
1: a break. It is it's my favorite part of the week. I think, well, it's one of them. It's up there. I've got a few highlights.
0: It, it forces us to sit down.
1: Yes. Well, and it's like, how many of us get to be like, well, I like have an obligation to go hang out with a friend mm-hmm. and I have to do it every week. Cause that's part of my schedule that I committed to. So it's nice. Cause it's like. When you get busy, it's easy with time with, like, friends to be like, well, all right, I don't have time for that. But this makes it a little more official. So we just, we got to make it happen.
0: Yeah, I think uh, when we first started talking about doing this, you were like, do you think it's something that you can add to your schedule? Do you have time? And I was like, I don't know. I think it's just one of those things we have to make time for.
1: It's interesting how that just works. It's like, there's, time is limited, but... When you have certain priorities that you make, you tend to, like, I guess, have less time that is just wasted, you know? So That's,
0: that's, yeah. I think that's what I was just thinking, too. Like, it seems like when we get overwhelmed, our first instinct is to offload a bunch of stuff. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily fix the problem. Uh, In my life, anyway, I feel like what we have to do is add stuff into our schedule that forces us to slow down for a little bit and this would be one example of that
1: i agree i think so much of in the bible talks about this time and money are very similar they're like resources that we are called to manage wisely and i i think the same thing with just even finances i think that there's times where it's like man i just you know we don't have enough for all the things we want to do But then it's like the more that I truly just plan out and keep track of where I'm spending it and, you know, try to get out ahead of where I want to spend it. Somehow it feels like I have more because I think it's just it's that mindless stuff that really catches up to us. And I think it's the same with time is when you are forced to really look at it and go, okay, where do I want to put it? It feels like you have a little bit more. Right.
0: Yeah, that is that is a good example. I mean, even with money, I'm sure we've all experienced, like, if you ever were given a gift of money or you uh, got a tax return or you got a check from the government in the mail mm-hmm. or you got a raise in your job, like, we tend to always operate thinking, like, if we get that, it's going to change things but it changes nothing because all it does is trigger something in our mind that you know moves us into a realm of opportunities that was not available before and and now all of a sudden we're in the same exact place with just as much money as we had
1: before yeah it's like a proven fact and that's where i do i think you know and i've been convicted because we've even talked a lot about it on this podcast of you know things are too busy and I know I can easily fall into the rut of just feeling sorry for myself of like, oh man, I wish life was slower and, you know, oh man, if I lived, you know, 30 years ago, how much better it would be. But the reality is, is like, even if we had less to do, it would still feel, you know, I I feel like if we would have talked to somebody 50 years ago, they would have said a very similar thing. Just not enough time for all the stuff I want to do. And so I think there does come a time where you just have to be like, Hey, this is what I have. This is the time I've been given. Um, And trust that if you you are very intentional about it, that you're going to be, you're going to be happy with, with what you get out of it.
0: Yeah. So I have a feeling that today's, this episode is going to be a little bit of like, whatever just comes to our mind. Um, Because yesterday I sat and listened to your sermon. Yep. But I realize in hindsight that I listened a little bit, um, with divided attention and the notes that I normally take of things that I want to mention during this podcast, I, I took a lot of notes, but they were ideas for the sermon that I'm going to give in a couple of weeks. And so, yeah.
1: um, which is nice. I'll have to take notes on your sermon. That'll be a, that'll be a fun change.
0: Well, yeah. And actually, uh. Are you gonna be there for it?
1: No, but I'll watch it. Oh, okay, all right. As long as our live stream works, we've been we've been having a little, a few difficulties um, with that. But as long as that works, no,
0: because I, I was like, wait, you didn't tell me you're gonna be sitting there critiquing my sermon. No,
1: and I would never <laughs> critique it. But I'll I'll listen to it later, so we've got something to talk about. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll get one of your boys to like record it with a cell phone just in case the live stream doesn't <laughs> work, so I got some sort of uh, but um no i totally get it and i think well as i think we we started this thinking this was going to be about a half hour and it's turned into about 50 minutes per episode so i don't think we're going to struggle to find things to talk about
0: we haven't had people complain about the length of the episodes we only have people complain about when we miss a week
1: yeah which is a good thing that that that's actually the most interesting thing because when you do this you're always like all right if we have to miss a week you know, does anyone care? And so the fact that they do and they know Sandy notice. cares. Does she? Yeah. Oh, well, Sandy, we love you. She'll give us the business yeah. if we
0: miss this again.
1: Well, that's good. Hey, that's, I appreciate it, Sandy. That means that you're listening. Um, but even just going to the sermon, it's, this was, it was one that's very, very important to me because I, I just feel like this has been one of those misunderstandings in the church, which is scary because it's one of the topics that the Bible cautions us about almost more than anything else is this idea of false prophets and and being careful about what you, when someone claims to be a prophet, what that actually means in the biblical sense and how to test that, how to be careful. And so, because we're going through all these categories of books of the Bible And so we're in the prophetic. And so to just truly break down what did it actually mean to be a prophet? um, And I hope people were able to walk away not not only knowing how to read the prophetic books, but better suited to protect themselves from people claiming to be prophets and things like that. Because I do think even in the church today, and I definitely believe in the prophetic, I think the New Testament says that that's a gift that... That is in the church, um, but it also told us that it's the gift that you have to be the most careful about and the most discerning about if you listen to them or not.
0: That's uh, last night at the end of a extremely busy weekend, Jocelyn put on a uh, show uh, for like 20 minutes before we went to bed and just like vegged out yeah and uh,
1: that's good.
0: The show she ended up finding was a documentary on Hillsong.
1: Yeah, don't I've heard to, about that. Yeah, and
0: we don't have to go too deep into that here, yeah. but it is exactly what you're talking about. Like what we're trying to do is equip ourselves and equip, you know, those around us how to have discernment for themselves, yes. so they aren't led astray by something that maybe on the surface looks good.
1: Yeah, well, and I think if I were to say, like, hey, while Jesus was on earth, he talked to his disciples about something specific they had to be incredibly careful about because Jesus himself said many, many, many people are going to be deceived by this, even people who should know better, even people who understand, you know, are mature are going to be deceived by this. So you need to absolutely be on your guard all the time. Hopefully your ears would perk up and go, Hey, I should probably know what he's saying. Or just
0: like, I mean, how many times have you been like, I don't know. Like, I can't really explain. I can't articulate why this isn't sitting right with me, but this just is not sitting right with me. Yeah. And that's discernment. And yeah, you have, that's like working out. It's a muscle that has to be exercised for it to work.
1: Yeah, and you need to know, you need to just know what God, who God is and what he's like. And that's just through reading the Bible and spending time in prayer. But it's, it's kind of like, you know, if someone were to come to me and be like, hey, Les said this, and I'm like, all right, my 13 years of marriage with her, that does not seem right. That doesn't seem like something she would say. She's never talked like that. That's not in line with her character. I'd immediately be like, "Yeah, I don't think she said that." You know, and it's that's just through knowing her well. And I think that that's really our our safeguard. Is the more we just know God, what are the things He has said? What what's His heart? What's His character that He's shown over and over? So when someone is like, "Well, God says this," you can go, I, "Man, that does not." seem in line with who he is at all
0: i think i'm gonna just speak from my own experience here but like i mean i've been studying the bible i mean i i grew up a christian i grew up in a christian home um but i never really started pursuing god's word and studying it until uh we started raising a family um so i would let's just say it 2008 since 2008 i've been studying the word daily in some way shape or form and i've also over that time um studied academically Mm -hmm. and received degrees from educational institutions and so to me we confuse those we treat the bible as it's the same
1: yeah
0: and I think that's why people get intimidated by God's word because they're like, I'm not good at memorizing stuff. I'm, I've never been good in school. I'm not good at reading. I'm yeah. not good at retaining information, comprehending stuff. And so they assume that the Bible is just too hard for them to understand. So then they don't even give it a chance. Yeah. And the mistake is those aren't the same at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't retain Bible knowledge, the way that I retain the knowledge of the things that I studied for my professional career.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I can't even really explain how retaining knowledge of God or Bible knowledge is. It's almost like exactly what you said, like hanging out with someone so long that you just know them. You can read them when they say nothing's wrong. You know, something's wrong. You can tell when they're happy when they're sad you can pick up on little nuances that no one else would be able to pick up on and that is the way that we learn about god and that's the way we learn his word so even if you never memorize a verse you could still understand god's word after spending enough time with it because you just kind of figure out the way it is
1: well and it's i think because the difference is like yes, there's information in the Bible, but the whole point, the whole heart of reading the Bible is relational. You are you are getting to know your Savior. You're getting to know, you know, the God who views you as a child and who you should view as a father and, and all of these things. And it's, so it's like, it's almost like if you were stranded on a desert island and like you had absolutely nothing and, you know, something washed up on shore and it was like, you know 200 letters that one person had written to another person and so you just read them because you were like I've got nothing else to do it's like by the end of that it would you wouldn't really gain that much like information you wouldn't be able to you know go and get a degree with that but you would know that person very very well because you you'd see their heart coming out and what they what's important to them and all of those things and that's the to me, the heart of the Bible is you're getting to know God. You're getting to know who he is. You're understanding his will for your life. But, you know, even Jesus, like when we, when this life is over, it's going to be, you know, do I know you? Do you know me? Like, that's the question that's going to be asked. Do we, do we know each other? Cause that's really all that's going to matter at the end.
0: It's kind of like, here comes a lame Jason analogy, but it's kind of like uh, I've, I talked to you about my love for baseball and my love for the Brewers, yeah. and um, the radio is on in the background at all times whenever the Brewers are playing. It's like the background music to our summer here, yes. and y- you stopped by yesterday and heard I blast a big enough speaker that you can hear it from multiple places mm-hmm. around here. But I've grown up with that. Yes. Um, as a kid, I would lay in bed at night with a little transistor radio, and so Bob Euchre, the Brewers announcer, who is now getting very old, I feel like I know him. Like I feel like he's a grandfather to me. Yeah. And someday when he's gone, like the thought of that makes me very sad because I just feel like I know him. Yeah. I've never even met him. Yep. But I've listened to his voice so often, and you know and you said 13 years of marriage before I last week we mar- uh, celebrated 16 years. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the presence that's more important than anything.
1: Absolutely. And, and, and it's that that's why prayer and Bible reading go together so well. Cause it's like, if I just, you know, read letters from Les, I would, I would still know her really well, but then it's, you know, hearing her words but then also spending time in her presence getting to know that like you said understanding the when when this tends to happen this is the response and and where what makes her happy what makes her sad so much of that is just spending time with that person um it's more than just the words you can sense it you can and that's that's what you know jesus says is my my people know my voice and it's like that. spending time in the presence of God. And so, I mean,
0: I was just thinking that that's kind of how many marriages, if you really think about it, anyone listening can as well, but like, think about the marriages that you witness in your life and your ring of influence. Um, there's all different philosophies and different types of relationships. And think about the ones where the people are, are married, but never really totally invest in the other person, they mm. they may be totally committed to each other, but they still keep their individual um, interests and activities and lives and stuff like that. And I'm not saying that's all bad. Right. right. Um, Jocelyn never goes with me to the woods when I go <laughs> right. bow hunting. Um, so we can have. I don't run with her. In right. fact, I've tried. She hates it when I run <laughs> with her. So, yeah. um, but when. Without the spending time mm-hmm. together, it it's it ends up being very weak, yeah, and can't really weather storms. And I would say that's how our faith is too. There's a lot of ways to give it lip service. Yes. There's a lot of ways to be a whitewash tomb. Yes. Um, but when the pressure is on, that doesn't stand up.
1: No, and and that's the biggest thing is like. When it comes to being cautious about false prophets, and and I guess I can even explain that a little bit more. Is okay. So you have you have certain people who are gonna claim like to be prophets. I'm I'm a prophetic person, um, and so I hear from God and I will tell you what God has to say, which again I do believe is in the church today. Like realistically, like God has given that gift. Two people, but there are going to be some false prophets. The Bible tells us who are who are going to say God says this, and it's just going to be their opinions, or they will be twisting what God says and adding their own opinion on top of it, um, which the Bible says that is still being a false prophet when you do that. Um, and and so we're called to be able to discern and know, like, okay, you're saying that God said that, but that is not in line with his character. And I think you need to know the Bible, but then you also need to, the knowing the character of God and just being able to understand, even like you had said, when you can't even necessarily pinpoint it, but you just know something's off, I, I think that comes from time in the presence of God. I think you need both. You can just understand the the word of God, but even that, there's so many um parts of scripture that you could kind of well I can make a case that this means that and I can make a case that this means that and you can you can get yourself kind of confused because there's so many different angles but then it's like to know the word of God but then also to have spent that time in the presence gives you that just true discernment of like I know that that doesn't line up with who God is because I just have spent that time in his presence to know that this is off in in some way right and
0: i was just thinking like when it gets really really complicated is when it on the surface looks like the way things are supposed to look and that could be in relationships with people or it could be faith yeah um and that's where like and when you think about how that normally plays out emotions are always involved yeah And so when someone is really emotional about something, let's just talk about in faith, for example. So you have someone who um, they're not really going to feel emotions about faith unless there's something in them that wants it. Mm -hmm. There's something in them that wants to grow. And unfortunately, they end up sometimes being the most vulnerable people because they're young in their faith and mature. They don't know what they don't know. Um, But they are feeling all the emotions of it. And emotions can lead us into good directions or bad directions. We can be easily manipulated by emotions. Yes. And I think that is where, you know, the few minutes of that Hillsong documentary I saw last night, that's exactly what happened is you had all kinds of people who, um, you know, the heart of why they were there in the first place was good, yeah. but they were in such a vulnerable position to be manipulated. And you see that in relationships as well. Yes. Um, And that is where the word and, and just spending time in it and knowing God through the word that like, that is going to be emotionally neutral. Yeah. And right. it is not going to lead us astray. Like, Other things can.
1: Right. Well, and that's what, like I had even talked about a couple weeks ago with the poetic books, is like emotions make terrible leaders. They're not terrible in themselves, but anytime your emotions are leading you, you're probably not going to like the outcome. Now, your faith will lead you places in which your emotions will be involved. So it's like, okay, I'm, I'm taking this step. Not because I emotionally feel just like good about it or whatever. I'm taking this step because my faith is guiding me, my belief in, in the Word of God. But then as I do it, God will use my emotions to help, like I said a couple weeks ago, move information from my brain to my heart. Like emotions are very useful when they're not leading. That's what I, I, I know a lot of things that are great. But you should not let them lead you. I think there's probably even people who are like, they're amazing if you just let them do what they need to do, but if you try to have them be the leaders, they're just gonna they're just not leaders, which right. is totally, totally fine. And I think with what you said about the the, the Hillsong documentary, and, and this is what I've seen over and over, is that specifically this country has a history of spiritual emotional manipulation that was really the the idea of the altar call was born in this country and there's some really cool books that go through the history of just the you know do whatever it takes to get the outcome you want so we want people to raise their hand to say i accept jesus and so whatever we got to do to get them to do that we're gonna we're gonna do it and i think in hindsight we can clearly see that that was not in line with who right. God God is. And so we have to deal with the fallout of that. And we have to understand that's kind of the legacy we have right now. And we gotta do some really heavy lifting to change that legacy. But that's the history of this this country of 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 just emotional manipulation to get people to respond the way we want them to respond. And that was because we really missed the idea that like. Salvation isn't through just specific words being said. It's through a heart change. It's through a giving your life over. And that can't be manipulated into somebody. We have to just walk through the process and and allow the Holy Spirit to do it. But I think we are still, I would say that that's a, if we were going to make a checklist of, okay, be careful if you see these things. And specifically if someone's claiming to be a prophet, but I would say just, in churches in general you know and, and I even say this boldly to say you can hold you know if you attend our church hold me and our board accountable to this and I think one of them is if how how much are your emotions played on yeah I think that's a really good first step to be like how much are they are they trying to get a certain response from me based on emotions and making me feel a certain way and setting the atmosphere just right so that I have an emotional response. Because although emotions are useful, um, they should not be the leaders. And and if that's happening, I think you at least have to be cautious.
0: And emotions, that's another thing that I think we've somehow ended up with a little bit of a convoluted viewpoint of emotions really it like if that's what you're expecting is if I don't feel my emotions being triggered, then something's not right. That is a little bit backwards because that you're basically saying what's in it for me. Emotions are in it for us. Like we feel the emotions. We want that experience. We want that feeling, but that's not why we go to church. That's not why we worship Jesus. We, we do it for him.
1: Yeah. It, and it plays into the, and and I think this connects with this whole false prophet. And I was I was just listening um, in Matthew of just kind of Jesus talking through this stuff of like, don't be impressed by, <laughs> don't be impressed by the crowds. The the crowds are not signifying what is actually real or not real. In fact, usually the biggest crowds are around things that aren't real and usually the real things are pretty small and understated and i think that's one of the problems whether it's hillsong whether it's some of the these other people who claim to be the prophetic or or these other you know churches that grow and become this huge brand and then all of a sudden you find out later there's all this shady stuff going on
0: have you ever not to butt in but like have you ever bought into any kind of craze that like whether it be a clothing item or a food item or something that like, it's like everyone is this thing's all the rage right now, and then you get it and it's like, dude, yeah, like these are the most uncomfortable shoes
1: ever. Yes. Or oh, absolutely, and I think it's, again, it's. I'm, I'm I want to be careful with my words. It is so easy, especially in ministry, because that's my world and so many of my friends are in that, to feel this pressure to succeed. Like, that's, I think we all feel that, no matter what career we have. There's this pressure to succeed and have other people be able to tangibly look at your life and say, wow they're successful in their endeavors. I think even in Ecclesiastes it tells us that's a very normal and even good part of us. We we want to feel like we are we're worthwhile, like we're we're somebody who has value in our endeavors. In ministry it gets so complicated though because it's how do you measure that? How do you and how do you portray it to other people? How do you how do you portray your ministry in such a way that the people around you say wow you're successful that starts to get really murky on how how that works and i feel like then that's when you know you see these huge mega churches and you're like okay they do this they do that and they've got these crowds that's going to be my way to have other people view me as a successful you know pastor youth pastor worship leader whatever i am in the church and so we all just start to chase that even though Jesus himself said, like, crowds are not an indication that you're successful.
0: What's so hard about it is it's like the perceived success is what opens the door to reaching a lot of people. It is. And so you can see how that is such an uh, easy, slippery slope yes. to step onto.
1: Yes, it is. And, and this is the... I, I truly believe this is the the really difficult balance of of just even church right now is what's funny is you have the younger generation that is actually like i i truly believe people who are 30 and under are like they're really over the show and the performance they've literally had that their whole life and so it's like you you have this this new generation that's like just give me real just give me authentic But we have built our whole church structure in America is built on impressiveness and performance and and these things. And so it's like, how do you how do you change this, especially knowing that at least in my experience and, and everyone I know that I've been talking to that's in ministry it's like the younger people are, the more they just want authentic. They just want to know what's real, what's true because they've grown up in this digital age where everything's fake, everything is filtered, and they're like, I just want I just want something real and raw. I just want to know what's what's true and what the Bible says. And so it's going to be interesting to see who is who is willing to say, "Okay, I'll be less impressive to be more impactful to this younger generation." And I think for all of us, it'll be a gut check of, like, what's more important to us. Because I truly believe we're not going to be able to reach this next generation unless we give up that ability to impress other people with our our churches. Um, And so that's going to be a really interesting...
0: It's such a perpetual cycle that, like, who's going to be the one to step out of it? You see people try stepping you can find a lot of examples of people who have stepped out of it and then were just left yeah and i'm just I'm, as you were describing that i was thinking a couple of weeks ago i was in the capital mm-hmm. uh, i had the opportunity to give a presentation there and so i interacted with a dozen maybe politicians they were in session that day and they the people i talked to represented both sides of the aisle mm-hmm and my, my thinking was like, why do they all talk like that? Why do they all act the same? They're all the same. Yep. Because they have to, or they're not even, they can't even get in the door. Yep. And so they probably all start out genuine, and I'm not saying they're not genuine, but they probably all don't start out the way they are. Yeah. But eventually you have to assimilate and act like everyone else in order to even be considered and if you find someone who attempts to not follow that mold, they eventually end up just kind of left
1: off to the side. I call it, so like this is a real thing in ministry that the language I use about it is called to be uh, institutionalized. So like that's a term they use for people who who go to prison. It's like, you know, they they spend so many years there that in order to survive, they got to take on these these behaviors and these things. And it gets to the point where like, that's the only world they can survive yeah. in anymore. And it's called institutionalized. They can no longer be who they were before because the system has just warped them. And I think that happens in so many things of like politics, like you said, but ministry for sure where, where you come in and it's like, all right, if you're going to do this, you gotta, you gotta talk this way. You gotta dress this way. You have to have this kind of haircut. You gotta drive this kind of car and so when you first start out and you're like okay i want to fit in i want to be viewed as like someone who can do this so you start to take on these things and by the time you have the power or the authority to truly do ministry the way you like felt like you should from the beginning you've been institutionalized where you don't even remember that anymore and i think that's where even in, in in ministry, I always try to have young people around me and really try to listen to them because they they have not been institutionalized by what, you know, ministry should be. Yeah. And I think that's really valuable because as much as I view myself as like a rebel and a free spirit, I know that through the years of of, you know, being underneath other people and and having certain expectations put on me, it does just kind of wear you down a little it's bit.
0: a rat race yes and it's exhausting it's exhausting to listen to you describe that yeah but it's in all facets of life it um is. raising a family it's yep. the same um are we doing exactly what we would have done before our kids started growing up and you know if you would have asked jocelyn and i interviewed us right now and we were just starting our family mm-hmm. and we laid out to you what we thought would be the perfect vision for our family. Are we doing that? I'm sure we're not doing exactly sure. what we thought. It's been influenced by the culture around us. I'm not blaming any I mean it's our right. it, we make the decisions. Right. Um and so it becomes an exhausting rat race. Yes. And so all of this that we just said in the first 33 minutes here is kind of preface like what do we do about
1: it yeah well and especially in in terms of making sure we're not being deceived and manipulated i think that's the the biggest question is understanding that we are people because we were made to be in a society that's how god made us is to be with other people there it is there's your birds what bird is that
0: that is a red-winged blackbird.
1: There you go. So you guys, whether if you didn't learn anything about the Bible, you learned the red-winged blackbird. And call. you
0: probably heard them the entire episode out the window
1: as well. I could hear them. So I could hear them. Um, Someone needs to, a, a
0: little bit of an aside. Anyone mm-hmm. who listens to this who likes birds needs to download the app called the Merlin Bird Lab by Cornell University. Mm-hmm. It is super cool. You now this is this is nerdy, but I know. Our friend Leslie, the yes. other Leslie, yep. I texted her one morning. I'm like, "You have to do this," and it like changed her life. I know she's so, been
1: talking about it a lot. And this it's not a paid promotion. We're not at that no. place, but it's, it is. Uh,
0: and it's a free app, so. Well, but so yeah, that'd
1: be a tough. That'd but be you tough can for us literally
0: go outside and hit record, and it'll just record everything it hears. And as it's hearing different birds, it'll identify them.
1: That's awesome. It's cool. really cool. I might have to try it, although I don't, I don't know, I'm, I'm getting older, I don't know if I'm bird, bird watching old yet, but I'm holding on to my youth a little bit, but um, I think as getting back to what we were saying, I think understanding that we were designed to be in a society, and there's even a good balance of like, there are certain behaviors we should modify because our actions don't just affect us when we live in a society. And so there is certain behaviors that like the pressure of living in a society should mold us in certain ways just for the good of everybody versus this is just what I want to do. But understanding that that part of us that wants to fit in and wants to feels that pressure and is willing to mold to that pressure can be used to manipulate us, especially spiritually, um, because as people play on our emotions, um, and as it seems like, well, everybody else seems really into this prophet or this church or whatever, so it it must be really good. I, I should jump in too. It's like the Bible's like, no, even if there's a huge crowd around them, in fact, especially if there's a huge crowd, take your time and be very cautious because... There are absolutely will be tons of false prophets. That's what Jesus said. And absolutely a ton of people will be deceived. And a lot of them are going to be the mature people that you wouldn't think would right. be able to be deceived. So it's a very sobering thing of just, and again, even for me, every time I give a sermon, I sure hope our whole church is going, does that line up? Does that sound like God? Is, can I trust what, what's being said here? Um, I hope they are. Because if you're not, it's like, it's probably not a matter of if you're going to be deceived, it's a matter of when.
0: Yeah. Well, and again, this could sound overwhelming, but I don't think it should be. It's not, you don't have to like sit and study and take notes on all the rights and wrongs and, and you know, constantly be watching out for them like a paranoid person, mm-hmm. but... What you do need to do is is just figure out how to spend time with God yes. through the word. And and I think that's why this whole series you've been teaching has been valuable because you're just, you're breaking the Bible into chunks mm-hmm. and just making it familiar to people, yeah. helping them realize this isn't this intimidating, far off thing that's hard to understand, hard to reach. Right. And Basically, just inviting people like, "Hey, this isn't that complicated. Just step into it." Yes, and that's actually what I'm, without giving the details of what my sermon will be about, mm-hmm. where that where it fits in with all of this is, the Bible is full of gems mm-hmm. that we would never expect in the in the most unexpected places.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, even in the Old Testament, like there are it's rewarding because you'll be not expecting it. This, is this is a boring book. This is like four chapters of names that I can't pronounce right. on and on and on. Right. And then all of a sudden, bam, yep. there's three verses. It's a little short story
1: Yeah,
0: and it could be life changing. Yes. It, it like speaks to you right where you're at. And I think, just knowing that is enough of a motivation to get in the word.
1: Yes, well, and to know that the more you know the word, the less you have to be so paranoid, and the more it's just like you'll naturally go, "Wait a minute, that doesn't line up with what I read last yeah. week." How I view it, and hopefully this makes sense. It's not now we're gonna do a, a weird Eric analogy. Is I, I think I think reading the Bible is like playing bass, and that's what, bass was my first instrument, and I I love it, and I think it's. <laughs> I think it's one of the best instruments for someone to learn how to play because at there's... first
0: when you said that, I was like, Do you mean like first bass, second no, bass? No, third no, bass? the bass
1: guitar because that's uh, there's so many instruments like guitar is one of those where, in order like, like if we say like a worship, because that's usually I'm, I'm I like to teach younger people how to play worship because I think that's just a huge need in the church is to raise up more people to play worship music because yeah. I feel like where that's a dying art in, in churches. And to, to get someone who's never played a guitar to be able to play a worship song on guitar takes a, a long time. There's so many elements in order to even really be able to play along and have it sound halfway decent. It takes a long time. Same thing with keyboard. Same thing with most instruments. Bass is an instrument where you can really pretty quickly be able to play a worship song. Play along with it. It's not going to be amazing but like you'll sound good, you'll sound fine, you'll be able to feel that progression of like I'm playing along with somebody. It can go really fast. Now to become excellent at bass is like a lifelong pursuit. Like I don't know if you'll ever get there because it's just one of those instruments that the, 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 uh, the availability to get better just never ends. And so it's like, you can jump in right away and you can pretty quickly be like, I can do something. Would you say it's
0: more so like that for bass than for guitar?
1: Yes. Really? I do. Because I, again, maybe I'm biased, but I just think with bass, there are so many different styles and bass to me is, is a much more complex, especially when it comes to writing, because you're bridging the gap between percussion and like melody instruments and so there, there's just a whole different avenue. In order to become like a truly excellent bass player, you have to understand percussion just as good as a drummer, and you have to be able to understand melody just as good as a, a, a keyboard player. And it's, like I said, maybe I'm biased, mm-hmm. but I'm more... So what I say that is I feel like with the Bible, it's like you're, you can jump in and you can really pretty quickly start getting some really good insight out of it. But then it's like, it's going to take an entire lifetime. You'll still be able to get more and get better at it. But it's like, that's my encouragement to people is like, just jump in.
0: So in this analogy, you're not saying the Bible is like a kazoo.
1: No, <laughs> no. Cause there's certain instruments where it's like, okay, you can, you can play it really fast, but then you're super limited and you're going to yeah. hit a wall where it's like, okay, I'm as good as I can really get at it. That's what I love about bass is it's like, yeah, like you can get going and you can play along with the song quickly, but then it's like there are to truly be like excellent at it is such a difficult process that you have to go through and learn so many different techniques and understand music at such a deep level to be able to truly understand.
0: So it's like the more you know about it, the more you realize that you're not that good exactly well like because uh, wooten- like i i play, i kind of play guitar mm-hmm. i always i have since high school and i used to go to the guitar shop and and play guitars that i can't afford and stuff like that and every once in a while i'd pick up a bass and i'd be like oh i can play bass yeah well so but if, my ignorance is what made me re- made me think i could play bass well
1: and so victor wooten is known as like one of the best if not the best bass player and i I saw a video where he was like you know everybody just wants to be really fancy and play something like this and he just plays this ridiculously complicated impossible thing that one percent of bass players could ever play and there was a crowd and he's like he's like look around was anybody bobbing their heads was anybody with me on that and he's like or you can do something like this and he played something that was still hard but it had like a bunch of space and he wasn't just going blah, 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 like he had some space and he's like look at everybody's head bobbing he's like that's the goal and that's what makes space so fun is you understand like you you get so good and then you learn how to pull back and how to leave space and all of those things and i think it's the same with with the bible is like the more you know the more you understand like when to apply certain things and when not to apply certain things. And that's the level of complexity that's fun, but it's like you can jump right in and you can still enjoy it and get something out of it like immediately.
0: I have to say you were able to take that analogy full circle despite my best attempts to derail it a couple times. So that's pretty impressive.
1: So this is why now, now I'll derail it, but it's so I, my, my attention is very bad. I'm very open about that. I have ADD and it actually has become such a strength for me because I know that for me to be able to get something from a message or even a, like a, a teaching it has to be like straight line. It has to lead somewhere. I have to be able to like see how everything is leading to the next thing. Otherwise, my brain will just leave it and I'll stop paying attention. And so that has led me to like, if I'm if I'm teaching something or talking about something, I'm kind of just like a bulldog where it's like, nope, I know exactly where yeah. I'm going and you're not going to be able to get me off topic. And so that's where even with my preaching, it's like, what I'll do is I'll write a message And then I'll go back and I'll literally take every, because I just do outlines. I can't can't read a script. I just would be terrible at it. So I just have kind of outlines and I'll go through each one and I'll be like, does this absolutely have to be here? Does this like truly lead to the next point? Or did I just think this was a cool analogy or think this was a cool story? And I just take everything out because I'm like, if I can't pay attention to this, I can't expect anybody else to so yeah that's uh usually even in conversations with with les she'll 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 try to be like well let's talk about this instead and i'm like nope not till i get to the end of this because i have to accomplish this and then we'll talk about something else but any other as we get ready to kind of wrap this up any other good because we're talking about being careful to not be deceived being careful to not let your emotions um you know bring you somewhere you shouldn't go you know, I had given the, the one where it's like, you know, any any time where someone spiritually is really trying to use emotions to get you to respond a certain way, you should probably be a little cautious of that. Are there any other, you know, situations like that? Any other tips of like, OK, if you see this, maybe you should kind of take a, a step back and just really be, be cautious of, of what's going on.
0: I, I, guess, uh, my, the way I would answer that is if you feel like something is, is leading you one way or another, like if you felt led to say something, like, I feel like God's telling me this, or I feel like the spirit is nudging me. Like if you make those statements, your first thought should be, have I, am, have I connected with him lately? Yes. Have I been in the yes. word? Have I been in prayer? If your answer to those things is no, then whatever it is you feel is nudging you or that you're hearing, you should be very skeptical of.
1: Yes. And I and I think even with that of like, there's some questions I always ask myself, even if I feel, because there have been times for sure where God's like, I, I feel, you know, tell this person this or, or you need to, or even for the church, like this is something the church needs to hear. There's just some questions I need to ask one of them is, does this somehow conveniently line up with my strongly held opinions? Because if it does, I need to be real careful because it's really easy to, you know, I think I said this on Sunday, but it's like, sometimes we almost subliminally, it's like, we have an opinion that no one seems to like care about. So it's like, well, if, you know, if God says it, they'll have to care. And, And we can almost will ourselves into believing that, god is saying it and so anytime where i'm like oh this is lining up conveniently and suspiciously with my opinion i i will be very hesitant and then also be like is this the right time because sometimes god will have something to say to someone but it's like is this the time is this the right moment right now to share this or is this something that god is is speaking to me and I need to pray on this a little bit more to really know the right timing and the right framing of this for that person
0: and and so the response that you were just describing like is this conveniently lining up with my desires or my goals that is totally different than oh my gosh I can't believe this worked out
1: Yes, like
0: God does that
1: Yes, and it could even because I've even had it where it's like ooh this seems to be lining up with my opinion, and the more I pray on it, the more God's like, yeah, you have that opinion because I've been speaking this to yes. you for for several weeks. So we can't,
0: yeah, we can't be so, like, legalistic or hard-nosed no. about it that
1: any good thing,
0: anything that benefits us, we have to be
1: skeptical. Not at all. It's more of just, and especially for me, I try to be very, very cautious because with the title of pastor, it's like people will sometimes take what I say with way more emphasis yes. then then so i have to be very overly careful because there's some extra weight that comes with the title but for right. me it's even more of just okay if it lines up with my opinions let me just take an extra second here yeah to like really calm myself and and especially it's like what's the heart that it's coming from is this truly coming from a place of love or is this coming from a place of frustration and annoyance that's one that's one thing that i i will be very cautious about is if my heart is one of like annoyance or frustration um i have to be really careful because again words are like toothpaste once it comes out of the tube you can't put it back in and um so i do err on the side of uh, maybe i need to just pray on this a little bit more to to see um but i think even just For me, the, the only other suggestion I can give is, you know, if, if, if you are in a place and you're feeling, um, a little uncomfortable with, with what, and you're not quite sure if it's accurate to the word of God, um, spend time in prayer. I think that's the biggest thing is, is really, really give it to God and pray on it. There is no perfect church, and I want to make sure I'm really clear. Our church is not perfect, and I'm definitely not the perfect pastor. Um, but I think at the end of the day, what you're going to want to think through is, is this person truly pointing me to Jesus and Jesus alone? Or is this person pointing me to something else? Mm-hmm. Or Jesus and something else? Yeah. Or, or things like that. And and that's, I think, where I would encourage people to go, this church or this person or whatever, where are they really trying to get me to go? And if it really is to Jesus, then I think you're good. But if you are like, uh, it's, it kind of seems like they're trying to get me something else that's kind of related to jesus but not necessarily directly to him that's where i think you should pray pray about it and see
0: yeah and i think the last plug i'll put in just something i've been thinking about as we've been talking is again to just make this um help people see that this is not as complicated or as daunting as it needs to be and i am a really big advocate of just finding what tools help you be in the word daily. yeah. And the one that I'm just going to plug, make a plug for again is a daily Bible yep. uh, where it breaks down a section of the old Testament section of the new Testament Psalms and Proverbs. And it's just a small snippet of it each day, yep. but it kind of makes the decision for you. I've had moments uh, in my life where I've been crippled by kind of, just not knowing where to go next. Yeah. Like, what do I, I just finished X? Now, where am I going to go? Yeah. And it, it, when the decision is made for you, it helps. And then it also helps you to comb through and find some of those gems
1: that you want to found. Otherwise, I couldn't agree more. I think that's exactly routines are very powerful. Just and if you can have something that's like okay, here's what I do when I wake up in the morning or before I go to bed. I open up my phone, I click on this, I read it. I I, I it's gonna help. Don't reinvent the wheel every day because right. that's just gonna be exhausting. So, well, awesome. You wanna you wanna sure. close this out in
0: prayer? Well, God, we just thank you that you give us freedom um, to live this life the way um, we want to. We we thank you for that. Uh, that you love us so much that you allow us to do that. But we do, um, pray that ourselves and the people who we do life with and the people who we influence will choose to live that life for you, um, because of the freedom that comes with that. And we just ask that as we do that, that you, um, help give us discernment and, and help us from stepping into snares that may not look like a snare. And it can be very overwhelming, uh, to think about, you know, how do we navigate life, uh, and watch out for all of those, um, spots where we could be tripped up, but you're not asking us to understand all of that. You're just asking us to come to you and you'll help us. And we thank you for that. And so I just pray that for everyone who's listening and um, just, just thank you for this opportunity. In your name we pray. Amen.